Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. I just want to ask one quick favor before we jump into this episode. You know, I've been organically growing this podcast for over five years, and I need your help to keep the momentum going. There's two things you can do. One is leaving a five-star rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Spotify is a lot easier. You'll see the rating button right at the top. Apple Podcasts, you have to scroll down the page a little bit, and you'll see a write a review button. Additionally, if you want to share this out with your audience on your social channels, text it to a friend or colleague or family member, whatever you have to do to pass this along to individuals that you find may need the help and may be looking to get started. So either of those things or both of you like would be appreciative so I can get this podcast out to more individuals and we can help more people get started and move in the right direction to a more happy and fulfilling life. So thanks again for your help and grateful to have you here on another episode. Let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Figs O'Sullivan, who is a licensed psychotherapist, emotionally focused therapy practitioner, and commander-in-chief for the top-rated therapists in San Francisco. Born in Ireland to students of the human experience, and now raising two children with his wife, Teal, in Hawaii, Figs has met as many different kinds of people as he has therapy methods. And yet, what he discovered about how humans heal was incredibly simple, and often really, really difficult for people to achieve without guidance. And we have quite the wide-ranging conversation about relationships and just kind of psychology and how people work in general. So I hope you all enjoy this conversation. And without further ado, please welcome in Figs O'Sullivan. Figs, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you, man. Thank you for having me on, Brian. Great to be here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to chat with you about this. And anytime, you know, stuff around like relationships and, you know, improving our relationships in our life comes up, it's something that's always important for me because I've, I at least know, obviously, you know, this because of what you do, you do all day, every day, but like our relationships are so important to us. And I think the older we get, we realize that the best relationships we can have, the, the people that are there to support us and, you know, kind of be a part of that journey with us. That's what it's about, you know? So I, I I'm really excited to chat a little bit about relationships and go deeper into that. I wanted to start though, which I always like to do on the podcast. My, my curiosity is around like, how the heck do you get involved with this? I, I, unless you've been like, we're like a love guru at like 14 and somehow got in. I'm assuming this is not, wasn't your life's work at the beginning. Can you kind of share a little your getting started story and, and how you actually went down this path in your life? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the complete story, I always like, I don't want to be tried. Like the, the real story is, you know, I'm from Ireland, as you can tell. I often refer to it as the cliched Irish story of I'm the son of an alcoholic father and a heartbroken mother. And I grew up in with shame, sadness, anxiety, you know, and wanted more than anything to be part of a family that was free of those kind of feelings and um, wasn't to be. Right. We survived. Yeah. You know, we could even look like we thrived. But my life's goal, work, um, at the deepest level is to be part of a loving family. And so, you know, as I always say, like, I'm living the dream. Now, it's not for everyone. You don't have to be part of a family. But for me personally, like, I now get to be in the picture. But I'm just a different person, right? I'm the dad, not the little boy. 
Yeah. I'm not the little boy that won't look at the camera. I'm the dad sucking in his gut in the family photo, right? <laughs> Trying to hide his 50,000 bald spots by shaving off all his hair, right? But I get, I literally live in the dream. If you don't mind, I'll just, so how did I get started? Just like I had pain and I wanted to resolve that pain. And then I actually, holy crap, like, you know, I could help other people do what I did. Did did you feel though, if you had some of those struggles, I guess, because I, I did too, kind of being a middle child, I felt I didn't get, you know, I had a lot of more attention, neediness, those type of things growing up. And I wasn't in like a, I wouldn't say a loving family, like, you know, parents argued a ton, they got divorced, like all this stuff. And I noticed as I was growing up, especially in early relationships, as I was an adult, those spilled over. That's how I thought relationships had to be. I thought you had to like fight and that to resolve things. And so were you in the same thing? Did it take you a while to resolve some of those early childhood, we can call them traumas maybe, or things that you learned that were maybe not the best way to be as a family? Well, absolutely. I mean, look, everything, 99% of what people call their character or their personality is their survival mechanisms that they developed in their family of origin. So, so whether you're like, I can fiercely stand up for myself, or you're like, leave me alone, I read a book, or you're, you're like a peacemaker, like these are all things you learned in your family. Now, most people think this is who I am. But there are survival mechanisms that you have to deploy in order, you know, to make up, to compensate for whatever flavor of love, safety, you know, that you you weren't getting. So, yeah, then hopefully at some point in life, you reach a point that you're not just focused on food and shelter where you're like, hey, listen, thank you, coping mechanisms and survival strategies that got me this far. But I actually want to see if I can become like an even more like well-rounded person. And I'm going to go back and love the little me before he had to make all these compensations and um, see if he could actually be a vulnerable person going forward through life, not just uh, someone that is unconsciously engaged in strategies to survive. How do you find, so one of the things for me was like going through a lot of heartache and realizing like, Brian, you got to wise up, you got to improve this. You don't want to repeat like a generation, you're right, repeating that trauma, passing it on to, I have a a 10 year old, like I didn't want to pass it on to him. So you kind of have to break the mold, but does that just randomly happen? Or have you found, especially through, you know, the, the coaching and help you've done uh, with folks, is that something that they could kind of press on or they should be looking into at earlier ages? Like how, how do you uncover that besides just sheer luck, I guess, or just having this motivation yeah. to change? I don't know. Well, yeah. So look, change happens out of one of two reasons, inspiration or desperation. And you can count on one hand, the number of people in human history that have changed out of inspiration. So here's the, the, the bad news is most people aren't going to do the work until things are bad enough. And some people have have a pretty high threshold of bad enough, right? You look at their life and you're like, dude, this is not good. This is not going well. And they're like, I could handle another like 20 times this level before I will give in surviving the way I do, right? And so, yeah, so I always, when let's say a couple arrives at, at my office, my door, 
virtual door these days right all through like telehealth right um you know i just tell them look i've been waiting for you i've been sitting in this empty zoom room for the last 10 years till things were bad enough till you'd actually get here finally things are you're in enough pain that you're ready to do the work so that's you know so yeah like most people and some people it's bad enough that first like time to get their heart broken because the partner thought they were boring or whatever it is, or you're an asshole, whatever it is, right? That they're like, whoa, I want to, you know, someone called you a horse one time, whatever, forget about it. If someone called you a horse a second time, you better turn around and look and see if you have a saddle on your back, mm. right? So some people, they're going to be in enough pain when they get feedback from the world pretty early on whoa, the way I'm surviving in the world isn't working that well for other people. And they'll start to do the work. That's their pain threshold net for feedback from other people. Do you find like, uh, you know, I'm kind of thinking back, you know, because so I'm divorced, right? I'm thinking back of like when I got married and we got together. I realize now, like we kind of were separate people. For this whole thing, I wrote this blog article recently. I'm like, the cliche of opposites attract. I, I do not like that. I think that's a poor cliche because I really don't think opposites attract. I actually think people are very similar that are together. They have similar values and virtues and, and life mission. Um, what's opposite is like one likes true crime dramas and, and one likes comedies. That's not really opposite, right? In my head, those those are interests. So anyways, going down that rabbit hole is like, we never went to like counseling early on. We never like talked and communicated a lot about the the feelings and stuff. We we're kind of young and dumb type. <laughs> are, are is one of your I guess maybe coaching or or guidance, especially people who are in early relationships, is to get counseling or at least set up some barriers of discussion so that we they don't get ten years down the path and have to have those conversations. Yeah. Hey, look, it would be brilliant if people learned what love is and what happens in relationships really early, right? But again, look, most people won't do the work because they're not in pain yet, right? Now, so look, let me give you a quick summary. If people, most people don't know what I'm about to say. I'll tell you what love is, right? I'm, I'm going to tell you. Okay. Right? Look, love is the need to be emotionally bonded. And we all need to be emotionally bonded from the cradle to the grave. It's not optional. It's hardwired in, right? If there isn't a good enough, the cradle part, if there isn't a good enough other on the other side of your birth, a dingo will come and eat you. You have to have a person there or you will die. You will literally die. Okay. That just doesn't go away for the rest of your life. You may think I'm a grown up now. I need nothing but Amazon Prime subscription and Netflix. The truth is your body still loses its friggin mind i didn't ask you if i can curse or not you Brian. can go ahead let it free will I'm trying not to i'll do my best <laughs> but i am irish you know that right so so look your body's going to lose its mind when it looks like your primary person that you look out into the world are you there for me if it looks like they're not there for you you're going to lose your mind you're going to freak out now you're going to deploy some strategy you're going to dissociate if you're the kind of more avoidantly attached person in relationship you'll start pursuing them around the house where are you we want to go for a walk do you want like why aren't you here i read an article in cosmopolitan that said like we should spend more time together like if you're more anxiously attached you're going to do that shit right if you if you're wounded on both sides of that heaven help your partner now you're a superhero you can empathize with people really deeply but you're gonna like i want to be close to you no not that way 
right? It's gonna you're gonna be a little confusing, be with, right? But look, you you just everybody's wounded when it comes to love. Everybody is. Everybody scares each other. If you're really important to each other, you're gonna scare the living daylights out of each other. And it's just hardwired into what it is to be a human being. So if you get into a new relationship and you're crazy about that person and they're crazy about you, it is so important that it looks like you're there for each other the way you both long to be, that sometimes it'll look like that's not happening and the other one person is going to get threatened. They'll react to protect themselves. It'll threaten the second person. They'll react to protect themselves. And you'll create a negative, positive feedback loop with each other. And then reaffirm each other's worst stories of each other over and over again. And until the day both of those people see, would you look at what's happened? We're just in this negative food feedback loop with each other because we love each other. And love includes scaring each other because it looks like we're not there for each other. That calms each other, the two people's limbic systems, their nervous systems, and now they can be empathic and compassionate to the vulnerable parts in each other. Mm -hmm. People don't learn that in school, right? They don't learn it watching TV. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so unfortunately, I get to tell most people this and get them to live inside that narrative after they've scared the living daylights out of each other for 10 years. But it would be great. I would love to talk to more people early before, you know, they've spent 10 years lighting themselves on fire, running around like headless chickens. Well, don't you think I that, mean, I mean, that seems like, I, again, I'm maybe I'm just looking at it from a, a weird perspective, but it seems like the most logical thing to do. Hey, if we're going to be invested in a long-term relationship, whether it's marriage or you just want to, you're going to be together, whatever yeah. your choice is, um, it seems like, wow, shouldn't we communicate and talk through this on a regular basis, right? Whether it's yeah, weekly but, but meetings, but whether look, it's whatever, so, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but Brian, here's the problem, right? People of, you know, um, confirmation bias, yeah. right? You know, like people like to hear what they believe already. So let's say, let's take, let's be stereotypical for a second, right? We've got two people in relationship, one person I can feel abandoned inside and I really want to feel like I'm a priority and I tend to give advice or sound blamey, right? When I'm feeling disconnected. And the other person, I can feel really bad about myself, even if they don't realize it consciously. I can feel powerless and it looks like I'm a disappointment and I tend to pull away to avoid the pain of connection. So th those two people get together 80% of the time. It looks like one loves breakdancing. It looks like the other person does robotics. Like you said, right. that's not why you're together, right? Like you're together because of this emotional bonding thing that's happening between the two of you, right? right? Now, the person that like I want long to be a priority and I love to give advice slash blame, criticize my partner when I'm not feeling loved, they are going to seek out advice that validates the way to a better relationship is to change my partner and get them to engage with me more. And I am a king or queen and I deserve to be loved and I should ask for my needs to be met and by God, the world should meet them. Mm. And guess what? Imagine if you wanted to make money out of relationship advice, sell that shit to that person all day long and they're going to buy it. They're like, I just did this great course and it helped me ask for my needs to be met because I deserve it. Now, let's go to the other person. Right. Hey, are you being made to feel like shit in your relationship? 
you don't need to be spoken to like that. And look how much this is selling right now from the Andrew Tates and all that ilk right now, right? So both people, they go, look, hey, we will do self-development work, but what they're choosing to do and spend their time and money on to make things better is a fucking disaster for both of them. They just like, what, what people want is not what they need. Now, interrupting, like, so just say, for example, like these people are selling pizza and M&Ms for dinner. Most relationship advice out there is your partner a narcissist. Jesus Christ. If I hear one more person label and diagnose their partner as borderline or a narcissist, it's not helping you. And the people, the people that actually try, oh, sorry, I just got some, my, my other camera just interrupted me that I couldn't get to work. No right. So look. The, the, the main way that people get better, you both make sense. You're both valid. Both of you are hurting. You're only hurting because you love the shit out of each other. And stop blaming each other. Stop pulling away from each other, right? Because both of you are making things worse. And I'm going to use technical language again, right? Okay. Calm the fuck down. You're just two people that love each other, that scared each other. And if I can get the couple to live inside of that worldview, now they're going to be able to love each other for the rest of their lives. Well, so how do you, so I came up, I'm curious your thoughts on this, actually, again, as I reflected a lot on yeah. past relationships, I, I realized, I said, I think there's four, it seems like pretty logical. There's four things of all great relationships, not just romantic, trust, respect, support, and communication. All right. Sounds, sounds, sounds good, right? My big thing is the communication piece. That's where I think the breakdown, because to your example, like the one person, let's say they're aggressive and they're yelling and they're whatever to fight. And then the other person feels defeated and maybe wants to go away for a day, doesn't want to talk. Now they're battling even more because they have varying personalities there. So I'm kind of curious, like, again, from a communication standpoint, how do you get those folks to not have resentment, not kind of go down a dark path and can start kind of patching that up earlier? Yeah, well, so look, communi- good communication is an outcome of a process, right? Like, every- by the way, again, just to be clear, everybody comes to me and say they want good communication, right? But you need the communication of a three-year-old. You need the communication skills of a three-year-old, like in terms of the words you use. In fact, everything you learn past three is just getting you in trouble. Okay. Right, so so basically, oh, you got to know yourself, right? Yeah. So let, let me just like, you got to n- be able to see you're in reactivity, right? Most people can't see they're in reactivity. They actually believe what I'm doing is good. I have a right to ask my needs to be met. Uh, I'm not dissociating. I love fantasy football. It, it's not that I'm like, like look, be, people just don't even know what they're doing and they don't know why they're doing it. So first thing is to realize, oh my God, I am actually in reactivity trying to survive. Second thing then is to ask themselves this question, what is it I'm not getting that would lead me to be in this reactivity, not focusing on what the other person is doing to me that would make me do this? Like, so what am I not getting? What's the flavor of love, belonging, safeness? I'm a priority. I'm heard. I'm listened to. I'm good enough. Whatever that flavor of love is. Right. And then what's the vulnerable feeling I am in when I'm not getting that flavor of love? Right. What it, I'm sad, I'm alone, I'm rejected, I'm ashamed, I'm powerless, whatever that particular flavor, and it's usually it's a cocktail, right? Then imagine 
like you know like how many people do you know that could do that where they like someone cuts them off on the road and they're like that driver's an asshole and then they go wait a second wait a second i'm in reactivity i'm totally in story of other they're the asshole they're a bad driver but wait a second so that's great i'm i just came back to awareness what i'm doing but why would i be so mad about them cutting me off what am i not getting i didn't feel respected i didn't feel considered What's it really like for me when I'm not in reactivity and story of other, when I'm not respected and considered? Oh, I feel powerless and it touches that place where I don't feel like I really matter to people. Oh, Jesus, it makes me feel bad about myself. Oh, shit. Now I follow them home. Please don't do this. That's a just, you know, like made up story. And instead of giving them more, you're a shit driver. You watch where you're going. I actually tell them, hey, by the way, you know, the last 10 minutes where I was really mad at you and giving you the finger, what happened is I felt like I was not considered. And it touched this place inside me where I can feel powerless. And it's really hard for me. You tell them about yourself. Now, so that's good communication. Two people that can do that. They scare each other. They're reactive. They're aware they're reactive. They know what the unmet love needs is. They can feel the vulnerability. And then they can come back together and share the vulnerable feelings. And most importantly, then love the shit out of those vulnerable parts of each other. Mm. Right? Now, that's probably not going to happen with the guy that cut you off on the freeway. So like I was saying, do not try that with someone that cut you off on the freeway. It still may end badly, right? Although you may scare him more if you were really vulnerable with him. You know, he might really run away, right? Yeah. But um, but yeah, so so look, yeah, good communication is all about self-awareness and not just self-awareness, but awareness of the system that you co-create with another human being. Yeah. You do all that, you can communicate like, you know, like the best communicator in the world. Well, do you find too, like, you know, one of the things, and I hear this, not only I've experienced this, obviously hear this for a lot of, you know, friends and colleagues and such is around, you know, we always, I mean, and I think there's probably research you could probably look on this, but like, as you know, especially as men get in their late twenties and thirties, they change a lot. Um, I don't, I don't know the number with women, but at least some things I've seen on, on males, but is having that open conversation, because if you're changing, you're adapting, you're trying to evolve as a person. Well, you're not the same person. Maybe that that person started dating or was in a relationship with two years ago. Let's make that up. Um, how does that, again, is is that just a, hey, we have to connect and communicate? Is there a different path forward to make sure you're always checking in as you're changing and maybe your thinking's different or, you know, whatever yeah, but, your, life, but, your vision yeah. changes of life? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But this is where like, look, for sure, there's outliers. Let's say like I was, we got together and I was a teetotaler. I mean, you know, non-drinker. I don't know if you use that expression in America. I was a non-drinker. And then like, and you were a non-drinker. And then like five years later, I decide to do competitive tequila shot drinking, right? Like as my, for a living, sure. Like that might be like, hey, whoa, whoa. I think we're going down a different path or whatever. But look, love is very simple. There's just two equations of what love is. You're so important to me that I get scared when it looks like you're not here. And the other one is you're so important to me is I feel really bad about myself when it looks like I'm a disappointment to you. So just work on making sure the answer to those two questions are yes for both of you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Now, so all the other stuff, like what are our values? What do we like to do with our free time? 
what political party do I support versus you support? All of those things are not actually that big of a deal. They're just not like, you know, I now have gotten into like CrossFit and you like, you know, again, you like eating hot dogs on Sundays. Look, all of that could still work if, if we are still emotionally answering in the affirmative, hey, listen, I'm here for you. I will fucking die for you. Don't you think for a second when I go do my CrossFit workout, I've ever stopped being in our relationship. I don't give a shit how hot that really strong woman that teaches the class is. You're like, this is you and me forever. And then they look at you. I'm just using a silly example again. They go, hey, come here. You know, when you're working out and you're not eating hot dogs with me on the couch, you're always enough for me. I'm never disappointed in you, even if you have to keep making your abs really thin and muscly while I'm like perfecting my big round belly right like so as all of this other stuff is like it's actually love is actually very very simple it's not easy but it's actually really really simple it's just biology can, can you share that so i'm not a disappointment and what's the other oh, one Remember? look so the two the Same. two primary needs right and again this is attachment theory it's not me making it up attachment theory is the most solid theory in all of psychology it's got the most research most evidence-based like theory there is in the field of psychology, right? And so basically, are you there for me, right? Some people are, again, are going to have more wounding on the anxiously attached side. Again, I need to know you're here or else I'm scared. And so listen, it's actually a good thing if you're with someone that, listen, you're so important to me, I, I get scared, I get threatened if you're not here. Now, most people don't believe that's a good thing. So they've been trying to hide it all their life. But the way they hide it is what gets them in trouble. So on one side of love, it's like, look, when you're not here, I get really scared. But they don't want to seem scared. So they give you advice about how you, you or they make themselves look tough. I don't need you to be here, right? But really, they're scared. They just love the shit out of you. And they're terrified of losing you. The other side of love is you're so important to me, I feel awful about myself when I'm a disappointment to you. Now, what does that person do? They usually engage in strategy like, you know, they're going to get defensive or they're going to withdraw. I'm going to go play sports. I'm going to play golf all day rather than like stay with you today and find out how much of a disappointment I am. And this is the tragedy that the couple then co-creates with each other, right? I'm longing to be close to you and I'm scared I'm not important to you. So I'm going to criticize you. Oh my God, I feel terrible about myself. I'm being a disappointment to the person I most want to be enough for is so painful. I'll go play golf all day. And so this is the key thing, not even to try and change their behavior, to get them to see it and feel the pain of both of them. Look how sad this is for like this little person that all I want to do is be close to you. But everything I do pushes you away. And look and for the other little one. Oh my God, like I just want to be enough for you. And I can't tolerate being a disappointment. So that's why I go away from you. You poor people. You guys love each other so much. If I get them to live inside of that story, now everything can get better. And the, the disappointment side, is that self-inflicted? Or is that because maybe the partner hasn't been as kind or maybe the way that they come? I mean, is that, is it, is it both people's fault, I guess? Uh, yeah, listen, it's a, look, it's a, well, when you say, is it both people's fault, right? Like, uh, so 
most of the pain you experienced in your relationship today was born to go back to your first question in your what you experienced as a kid and your with your parents right most of it your partner today provides a trigger a spark that ignites a fire of pain that was already lying inside you now of course you actually think they're the cause of the pain you're feeling but they're they provided a 1% catalyst for you to get in touch with a pain that was already inside you. Whether that's, I'm alone, I'm going to be abandoned on one side, or whether it's, I'm not enough, and I'm going to be rejected on the other. Look, you guys, and the reason you chose each other is you actually can identify, your bodies can identify with each, in each other. There's an opportunity for me, we're going to actually feel that pain again with each other, both of us. And this is the crazy thing. We have an opportunity to do it differently this time. Now, of course, most people fail because they misinterpret what's happening and they double down on their survival strategies and make things worse. But um, but yeah, no, listen, it's neither person's fault. Both people are fighting for love. But like the person that pulls away and plays golf, they're just trying desperately to not hear they're not enough anymore. And it seems like this is a good idea to give someone that's disappointed in them some space. And they may not even know they're doing they're doing that consciously. Alone time is not a primary need, actually. Right. It's what people do when they just can't like tolerate intimacy. OK. And then just the same with the person given advice or criticizing, for example, right? They're not doing it because they're a bad person. They're just doing it because they're really threatened and scared inside that they're not held within the cocoon of belonging that is being emotionally attached, emotionally bonded. Mm. So no bad people. No, the whole question of who's responsible, like who's being bad, is just not... Two people love each other, they scare each other, and they're both doing the absolute best they can. Well, so what, so this is a dumb question, but I'm kind of curious, especially as you all are, are working with folks is like, yeah, at what point do you accept sunk costs and say, we've tried this for a few years, it's not going to work out. Like, I mean, let's take the other side of the coin. Yeah, no, like, it's a great question. Like, when do you know, like, because if it's, if it's just these two things, couldn't you potentially work? Could everyone work on it? I'm sure the answer is yes. Yeah. But at some point, why don't you? Why, why is it right just to well, move yeah, on? But we'll, here's, here's what I'd say the best, like, you know, the, like, who's the best person to be with? The one you're with, right? Now, here's what I would say. Do all relationships work? No, right? Obviously, they don't, right? But the best place in an ideal world to decide, can we make it work? is you did take the time to study what is the system that we are co-creating with each other. And you understand the system. What are my unmet love needs, my vulnerable feeling? What's the way I react? How does my reactivity like touch your unmet love needs and, and vulnerable feeling? And then how do you react? And now look at the way your reaction then brings me back in touch with my met, unmet love needs and vulnerable experience. So I do more of my, I take another hour from my quiver of possible reactions and protests I have, hurt you some more, then you pull another arrow from your available protection mechanisms. Let's say a couple successfully, right, by working with someone that knows what they're doing, right, sees, would you look at this system where both of us are getting more and more heartbroken and both of us engage strategies to protest being heartbroken that makes it even worse? 
let's say that couple lives inside that is really what's happening i see it that is a i call it that's a threshold experience and people are either going to fall and most people do they're going to fall on the side of the threshold i'm going to surrender to the pain and i feel sad for both of us and they're going to have empathy and compassion for each other they stop being enemies and they start to listen. I can really feel my pain and your pain. This is so sad for both of us. And they'll love and comfort each other. Or they won't. Now, they won't for a couple of reasons. Well, like one, we can't get there at all because one or both people can't get out of the look, I'm hurting because of you. Uh, sorry. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the hardest thing to get to this threshold experience where it actually de-escalates both people look this is really sad right for both of us let's think we got to go from two separate suffering to one shared suffering well does this I, come back I'm, to two not to interrupt i think you know one of your core principles i know with the you know kind of uh, your mission your business is acceptance and i think one of the things right and i think one of the things that's a lot of folks is if you don't have both partners have acceptance of the other like that, that you, that's kind of that's table stakes to get started right because if someone's like no, I'm resentful. I don't, you're, it's your fault. They're never going to move to the other side, right? Yeah, yeah, but when you say never, this is where like, look. Well, that's true. I don't, you don't want to use never and always, but most likely in this situation, they yeah, may but, not. But here's right? where like the way to get someone for, look, the norm is that one or both people come in and think everything is the other person's fault, right? That's the norm, right? right. right? And now, by the way, there are a couple of therapists who are like, well, I'm not working with them. They're not ready to do the work. That's ridiculous. I'm not, like, I, so what I have to do in a situation like that, I have to listen unbelievably well, right? I just have to like, look, the only reason someone is resentful and pissed at their partner and they're not available to accept the possibility that their partner is, is hurting too is because they're really hurt and they don't feel understood. So what, what I need to do is not just judge the way they're a mean, angry, resentful person or a shut down, unavailable person. I'm going to have to be the best friend that to both of them, but let's just say there's one person that they've ever had Someone that like, oh my God, you like fully get me. Not just like my, they, I validate the reactive part. I love the way they're mean. <laughs> Good one. You got them there, right? And then if I can help the mean one realize that Figs fella is actually safe. He actually thinks I'm right. I make sense. Now they will feel safe to open up and I'll get, yeah, but it does make sense. It must be really hard that you haven't felt like a priority to your partner for a couple of years. That hurts. Now they'll let me in and I'll get to see there's actually a really hurt little one right underneath me, underneath Mr. or Mrs. Meanie Pants, mm. right? So there are no mean, angry people in the world. There are no shut down with your own people in the world. They're just people that play mean, angry people or shut down with your own people on TV when they're really hurting and not feeling understood or accepted. So I'll accept them first. I'll validate them. I'll make it safe for them to be vulnerable. And I'll do that with both of them and then help them do that with each other. So do you typically with the counseling, do you have separate like individual 
uh, calls or, or conversations and then bring them together? Or do you start? No, out? we always start together. There's no way to understand what's happening inside a couple until like it's a systemic it's a systemic problem it's not a me or you problem we got to see the system we got to work with the system do we sometimes do will i sometimes if not always but let's just say sometimes almost all the time do individual sessions yes right but but like look we got to resolve the systemic problem and the best way to do individual work is inside uh, the system right because just imagine you come to see me on your own brian you're mm -hmm. going to be yourself a best i'll be myself a best you and i are going to get on swimmingly but i'm not going to see who you really are and what you really do in a moment of emotional threat until your partner is sitting on a couch with you yeah. so this is what i love about couples work it's not a theoretical thing. We're going to like, it's not like, oh, let's watch videos about learning how to put a, fi a fire out in a building. We're going to be standing in the middle of a fucking burning building. <laughs> and we're going to have to put that fire out for reals in real time. So that's what's so amazing that like, yeah, like we're going to have to do the work when it's like, this is game on. We're in the trenches of warfare. That's it. It's exciting. What a... Uh... So we talked earlier about the, you know, kind of the attachment theory, the kind of the not disappointed or are you there for me, like those couple things. So like if you had, if you break down, so someone listening in, whatever relationship status they're in, are yeah. there core tenants of like a troubled relationship that you see? Like, are there like, I don't know, it might be two, might be five, or it could be the, what you just mentioned earlier. But like, I'm kind of curious if someone's being... Uh, reflective of like, ah, do I check one of those boxes where we're kind of, we feel like we're in a tough patch here? Because, you know, sometimes like it's good for a while and then there's like a bad moment and then it seems like it's good for a little bit, but really things are just kind of brushed under the rug before yeah. it just explodes. So I'm kind of curious, are, are, is there anything, I don't know if I'm asking the question right, but like, is there anything people can point to of like, okay, I'm I'm not in the best relationship uh, spot because blank like are there certain things you see day in and day out that people should be aware of well i mean let's just look so look if you're really if you're hurting in relationship your partner's hurting in relationship so all i would just look in all four things are always present all at the same time you're not going to be able to see all four things most likely but i guarantee you all four things are here right so just you could just, there's an assumption. So at least just test the assumption, right? If you're hurting, if you're feeling not met, you're in reactivity and you're protesting that in some way, explicitly or implicitly. Your partner, your significant other is hurting because they are on the receiving end of your implicit or explicit protest. And it hurts. They're not being loved now either, the way they long to be loved. And now they are protesting explicitly or implicitly. Aha! See, I'm right. I'm hurting. I'm not being loved the way I want. So what I would say to you is all roads to a better relationship must pass through. You can go from your subjective experience of what's happening to seeing the systemic experience of what's happening. So put it to the test. Are those four things here in our relationship? I mean, good relationships these four things are here but they're aware they're here and they repair and they get it like it makes sense you got hurt right there when i only made one cup of coffee it makes sense you felt really bad about yourself that i was upset with you when you were trying to let me sleep in and i was you know mad at you for only making one cup of coffee in the morning right hey 
Let's let's love each other, hug it out. We both make sense that that was a hard morning for us, right? So the only difference between a good couple and a bad couple is they go a good couple goes from they go from good to bad, and they give each other a chance to get back to good. A bad couple goes good to bad. Fuck that guy. Fuck that girl. Ain't giving them no chance to get back to good. Now they may like just brush it under the rug, but they never really did the repair to get back to good. And eventually that catches up with couples. That that emotional disconnection creates a vacuum. Bad things happen in vacuums. Yeah. So we just want to make sure we're always getting back. We give each other a chance to get back to good when we get disconnected with each other. Because you just, just don't take a risk with what's going to happen when you create emotional connection vacuums. Well, so is there, if someone's kind of in that position... Yeah. And they feel like they're in the bad. Like, what's the first step to getting back to good? Look, obviously, I'm biased. I'm a couples therapist, <laughs> right? And I believe emotionally focused couples therapy is the most evidence-based way of doing it. It is really hard for any couple, your two subjective parts of a system, you, you're like two trees in a two-tree woods. You cannot see the woods yeah. when you're a tree in the woods. You just can. I and someone like me, is like a drone above the two tree woods. And I can point out, would you look at what's happening in these woods? Both trees are hurting. They both make sense. You're both hitting your, each other, your branches off each other. I feel really sad for the woods. Come join me and see from the drone's eye view. And please feel sad for the bloody woods. So I don't know a better way than hiring someone like me. And again, I don't mean it to be self-serving. Go find an emotion. Like, I have a company, Empathy. I train the therapist. They have to do it this way, or we just kick them to the curb. Sorry. They're allowed to be them themselves. They don't have to talk like me. I know I'm annoying. My wife and kids. I'm on this podcast interview because my wife and kids can't tolerate listening to me. Thank you, Brian, for talking to me for an hey, hour. I, I and then, but, but look, <laughs> find someone that knows what they're doing that can help you see, would you look at what you're co-creating together so you have a common enemy that you're fighting and it's not either of you. Yeah. So find an EFT therapist or reach out to us at empathy, right? Empathy with an I in the end, yeah. .com. Well, I'm actually curious, why did you name the company? I mean, I'm big on empathy, but is that the, re is just the word well, that's empathy? The Obviously it's spelled differently. Is that, was that why you decided to yeah. call it that? Yeah, yeah. So the key transformational experience, but I want to be clear, empathy like so it's not it's not just empathy for the other person it's a shared empathic experience for both of you right this is we all know empathy is a one-way thing like you're hurting oh i feel the pain you're feeling but this is what makes the type of empathy we're trying to create this kind of transformational experience is that both of you are hurting and we both feel empathy for the way we're both hurting it changes the whole world. It sounds so simple, but everything changes. The same problem, the same issue, whatever it is, like you love, you're conservative, I'm liberal. If we can get you guys into a shared empathic experience with each other, that same problem doesn't look that big of a deal anymore. Now, we still may have to resolve it. I ain't driving you to the polls on election day. Sorry, you got to find your own way there. But, but, um, but, but so look, Find someone that really knows how to help you get, stop only seeing things from your own subjective experience, right? Because you're not, this is again, like your audience are going to be, 
you are not trustworthy. Your perspective of what's happening in your relationship is not trustworthy. Yeah. And no offense, either is mine. When I'm stuck in a negative system and I see my partner is withholding a flavor of love, I'm hurting so much. It is colored the way I'm seeing what's happening. And I can't even see now I'm a threat to my partner. You Both of you are not trustworthy in terms of really assessing what's happening. Now, think about everything I've said. No bad people. You're both hurting. Both of you are hurting. And let's say in you're the exception. You're the one out of a 10,000 relationship that that's not true. Best way to discover, like validate that. Well, let someone like me try. And then you can look at me after three or four months and go, well, I tried. And I'm like, great. Well, you, you know. Let's do a three-way fist bump and you can like, we just couldn't get into a shared narrative where we both make sense. We're both hurting and it's only happening because we love each other. Yeah. That's one out of 10,000 couples. You guys probably have what it takes to make it work. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, kind of it's that bias that we have anyway. So it's like, we could sit down and try to solve, which is probably relevant. But to your point, generally, people aren't trying to solve until they get to the painful, you know, the, the exactly. really bad. So it's like, and that's why I still think the preemptive strike is, well, early on, I, and I appreciate a, a couple of my friends did this um, before they got married, is they went to couples counseling. And they had a couple of things they wanted to work on. And but I think they were so and maybe they've learned from other people that had gotten divorced or bad relationships before of like, hey, before we get married and get down this path, let's talk through it. Let's continue to communicate. Yeah. And, you know, which I which I applauded them. I said, that's I think that's the way to go. That's great. But, but let's be clear. And I want to be, look, not all couples counseling is equal. Like you, you do premarital counseling. You're going to work out what are your most important love needs? What, like, how do you communicate? Well, it's not going to prepare you for when you're in an actual pitch battle, right? And one of you is a trench in the living room and the other person is in a foxhole. Like, those skills go out the window. You, we have to, we, you have to resolve this at the deepest emotional level. And even if you think you're brilliant, you guys love each other so much, you're going to scare each other. You got to resolve. The work starts when we're disconnected. Now you could do the work before being disconnected so that you're ready. Right. Right. But but just like look, we can let's say we play in American football, we can scrummage all week. All week. And we should please scrummage all week so that you can play in Sunday in front of 40,000 people. But you, you know. It's going to feel real different doing the same thing in front of 40,000 people, right? Muscle, like you better have some muscle memory because it's terrifying. And that's what, when the fight happens, you're not going to have access to all what you did in the scrummage. Mm -hmm. So that's why like communication skills, they're not as valuable as you think because the part of your brain that needs to have the communication skills will not be online when you're disconnected from the person you love. It's just not, That's you're right. not going to have that like self-responsible language, yeah. right? Nor will they. So we got to work out the deepest look. We're both threatened people because we love each other and then we'll be able to repair with each other. So what, so, and this is good learning, maybe just for me in general, but I think everyone listening in. So the difference, 
because it's probably not an apples to apples then the, let's call it the general couples therapy different than what y'all are doing at empathy yeah. um what's the difference just so people can understand like what is the difference what what did they was, get well yeah so look we do emotionally focused couples therapy like i said it's not just me like sue johnson's the name of the woman that created it we do it because it works right like i've studied every different type of couples counseling we do this particular one because it works and the big difference is we focus almost entirely at the beginning, right? At, at understanding what is the system that you're both co-creating with each other. No bad guys. We're not trying to change people's behaviors. Again, if what you thought worked, worked, then you would have a better relationship already. It's not focused on behavior change. It's focused completely on trying to understand what are the unmet love needs? What are the vulnerable feelings? What's the way you react to protest? What's the way that hurts your partner? Even if you don't believe it does, I guarantee you they're getting hurt right now. What is that hurt they feel? What is the way they protest? And then look at this system you're co-creating with each other. If we can get you to live inside of that world that we're both hurting because we love each other, the end everything is different we can solve any problem together if we make so that's that's the real revolutionary part of the work we don't try and help people feel better we help them feel their feelings better and then they end up living in a much safer kind world with each other right then we can do the second part of the work and the second part of the work now that we're in a safe world we can actually help someone feel their deepest vulnerability and ask for their needs to be met from this really vulnerable place where now, because we created that safety, their partner is dying to be there for them and loves them in all the ways they long for. And we can do that in both directions. And then the last part of the work is we look back and we go, would you look at what we did? You guys were going to kill each other when we first came in. And now look at you both know you're in it together and you only fight because you love each other and you're able to love the most vulnerable parts in each other. That's amazing. And you can do this again and again, no matter what the topic is for the rest of your life. We do a three-way fist bump. And again, I, personally, I don't care when people do three-way fist bumps. If we do little jellyfish at the end or big jellyfish, right? But we say goodbye. And now they don't need me anymore. This is the key. They're not supposed to be dependent on me. We just taught these two people how to co-regulate each other and love each other. And they say goodbye to figs or whoever else it is. I like that. I used to, when I used to teach golf, that was one of my big things I'd say to students. I'd be like, my goal is that you never see me again. Like my goal right. is that you understand your golf game enough where maybe you come just to see me because you like me and we have good discussions, but it's like, I don't, you shouldn't be always changing your golf swing. So I like that. I actually yeah, like yeah. what you said earlier. I love the, we don't help people feel, we help people feel the feelings if I'm saying that or having feeling. Yeah, feelings. we don't help like, people feel better. We help people feel their feelings. I really like that because yeah, it's like, it's not about feeling better always, It's but it's understanding yourself, right? And yeah, exactly. Well, look, just think about it. Look, all feelings are forms of aliveness and certain feelings we're not okay having, and it shuts off aliveness, but your aliveness is really important to your partner. They detect it. They're like an animal. Like it took millions of years. They detect, oh my Jesus, my partner's not here. They're not going to be okay when you're shutting down certain aspects of your aliveness and vice versa. And so you, you just scare each other. So if we can help both of you be comfortable with all of your feelings, own your reactivity. Yeah, you're a blamer. Could I say, yeah, you shut down. This whole fantasy football thing is really leaving your partner feeling abandoned. What can I say? Right? Yeah. Do you know the the 
all the videos, self-help videos you send your partner, it's not going very well. They're not feeling good. Yeah. Right? We can have like, but not in a judgy way. It makes sense you're doing it because you're hurting inside. Yeah. It's okay. No bad people, right? Making it safe for them to actually, I don't know, dare to be themselves and be in all of their experience, not just whatever parts of their experience they think is acceptable. Yeah. Help people be alive. Thanks. I'll tell you what, man, we could probably chat for hours on this. I'm, I I have a lot more notes here. We're not going to get to, but oh, well, um, maybe a part two someday. Um, where can everyone say hello to you online? Where do you, where's the best watering hole and uh, where can they find you? Yeah, good question. You know, I'm, I haven't been the best social media person, right? Because it's annoying and I don't like spending my time <laughs> on it. But the it's empathy now on all of them. So empathy with an I in the end, not a Y in the end. The guy wouldn't sell me empathy with a Y in the end.com. So I have to kind of Jimmy. Rig. That would have been baller. That would have been, I would have liked exactly. that. Yeah. He did write me back, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's like Elon Musk or some, some little ferret thinks he's going to buy empathy.com. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but anyway, so it's empathy with an I in the end now on all the social media platforms. And then our website is just empathy with an I in the end.com. And we have courses and podcasts and videos. In fact, just to be clear, if I sound like a noxious, arrogant fucker, um, my wife and I have our own podcast. It's called Come Here to Me. And we actually share our own, as the clients, couples therapy sessions where we do this work. It's not just me like telling other people what to do. You know, no, that's so good. you get to see us actually walk the talk on the Come Here to Me podcast. And you just started that, right? Well, we started a year ago and we, we'd definitely like, we started it. I no, we started about two years ago, but then uh, the, the episodes were, they were way too, they took too much production. We've sim we just restarted it. It's a reboot. A reboot. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we were like, literally we had to spend 20 hours on every episode. Like it was a great idea, Yeah, but we hadn't taken in the reality of being two working parents. Yeah. So we, we've made it now. It takes us two hours to release an episode, All not right. 20. Oh, there you, you know? go. Good improvement. Anyway, Efficiency yeah. gains there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very important. Well, Figs, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much for coming on and, uh, and sharing the journey and, and really helping. This was, a, I, I mean, I learned a lot just on this. I'm sure others did as well. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Brian, thank you so much. I would love to talk again sometime. Hey everyone, and just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianandraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.